again, let me echo Father Jan's prayer this morning that our prayers are with the Egbers family. My son, James, is a classmate of Grant's at St. Xavier High School, so uh, this is at a very real level, touches many, many people. Losing a child puts me in mind of the great image from the theologian C.S. Lewis about how a loving God, an omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful God can and does allow suffering. And Lewis gave us an image that suffering is the backdrop for the luminous message of hope and love, as if when a jeweler to show a person a diamond takes out a piece of black velvet and puts the diamond on top. It's only when the light is refracted against the darkness, Lewis says, that we realize that God can and does work through the darkness. As we said in our opening prayer, to heal the brokenhearted. And my friends, we have not far to look in our secular culture to see the depth and the breadth of the brokenness around us, do we? This coming week, St. Valentine's Day, the day of the year when the church rightly remembers one of its third century martyrs who, in the name of love, that does heal and does mend, refused to bow his knee to the secular political ruler, Emperor Claudius. This young priest, Valentinius by name. For 15 centuries, the church has honored as our patron of hope and healing and the reality of God's healing love. And what a contrast on this very day that our secular culture chooses to release one of the most negative, distorted movies of all time about the nature of human love. I speak in case you have been perhaps living out of the media mainstream of the movie Fifty Shades of Grey. If ever we needed to remember that the world is indeed opposed to the way of God who binds the brokenhearted, it would be in this film. So grave are the errors in it that our archbishop joined with many of his brothers and hundreds of Protestant leaders to speak out against this film. Father Jan has commented on it. The film and the trilogy on which it's based, you may know, you may have read the novel, you may intend to go to the film. It is about a young woman college student who is manipulated into human trafficking, literally and contractually becoming a slave, living an abusively intimate relationship at the hands of a man who himself was abused as a child. And there's no way to go into detail about this here with children and families present. 
But suffice it to say, it is that black velvet under the diamond, isn't it? The contrast couldn't be greater with what church proposes for Valentine's Day and what secular culture proposes. The books have sold more copies than Charles Dickens, more copies than J.R.R. Tolkien, and more copies than the Bible itself. 100 million copies have been sold. And how can we respond to this contrast to heal the brokenhearted or to create broken hearts? There are at least two ways we could respond. The first would simply be in the face of this cultural tsunami of selfishness and egotism and death would be simply to go silent, wouldn't it? to just cave in and say, what's the big deal? It's just fiction. It's a book. It's a film. Who are we to impose our Christian morality on anyone else? We can't judge anyone. We should just live and let live. Don't go to the movie if you don't like it or read the books if you don't like it. And friends, I understand that approach. I really, truly do. I can tell you, as a Protestant pastor, frankly, we lived that approach for 20 years, accommodating the message of healing to a culture that insisted on dehumanizing. The problem with that approach is not only is it not biblical, it is not logical. Because as one of our giants, John Henry Cardinal Newman taught us and is echoed in the catechism of the Catholic Church, that option is simply called relativism. And this is what your church defines relativism as. Quote, the belief that there is no positive truth in religion, that one creed is as good as another. Relativism denies that any religion can be true. It teaches that all religions are to be tolerated, for all are a matter of opinion only. Revealed religion, he says, is not a truth, but merely a sentiment or a taste. It is not an objective fact, it is not miraculous, and it is the right of each individual to make it say just what he pleases. That is the teaching of the Catholic Church on relativism. Now the second approach, how to deal with this cultural tsunami of selfishness and brokenness and disordered love represented in the film Fifty Shades of Grey would be to overreact by pointing fingers and wagging our judgmental selves and saying this is disgusting and shameful, which it is. But the problem there, my friends, is that we become as the Holy Father has said so many times, we become only the church of no, of what we stand against, of what we reject. A far more positive approach, my friends, would be to stay calm and think on. Cooler Catholic heads can prevail 
perhaps we can leverage this film, this anti-woman film, with what the Catholic Church proposes as the good, the true, and the beautiful as part of God's plan. But this is not easy, this precipice between caving and reacting in a fundamentalist way. It is the way that the Holy Father calls the way of encountering the culture on its own terms, so as to better propose the teachings of Jesus. What an opportunity this would be for all of us to just take a few moments this week before the release of the film and brush up on the magnificent teaching of St. John Paul II and his Theology of the Body, of whom we have here in our midst one of the pioneers, the executive director of Rua Woods, Leslie Kuhlman, our very own innovator in this amazing theology. Theology of the Body proposes, in contrast, with the secular culture, what God-given femininity and masculinity really are. What if we could engage our friends who are immersed in the world of this film and say that, in fact, a modern woman can be strong and competent and powerful, and yes, she still can want a man to love her, to take care of her, and yes, to lead. This our Catholic tradition calls mutual submission. The world has a different name, dominance. That's all the world can ever propose. And so perhaps this week the scriptures themselves, the book of Job, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, show us this invitation for us not to cave to the culture, but nor to overreact. The temptation is just to go with the flow. People are on different paths, says the secular culture. You're Catholic, she's Protestant, he's Buddhist, he's Hindu. Who are we to come in and impose our views? Again, I understand that temptation, but friends, it really does lead to relativism which is illogical and unbiblical. Don't believe me. Believe St. Paul in this scripture this morning. He's preaching to this small Christian community he founded in a place called Corinth. And he says, I preach the gospel not because I wish to, but rather, he says, because an obligation has been imposed upon me. I have no choice. I am ruined if I do not preach it. I am entrusted with a charge. Friends, no matter what you say about St. Paul or the teachings of the Catholic Church, St. Paul is not a go-with-the-flow guy. He is not a go-along, get-along guy. St. Paul does not believe that all spiritual paths are the same, and it's optional for us to share our faith. An obligation has been imposed upon him. Out of what? Dominance? No, out of love. For the Lord who personally encountered him, who seized him and literally knocked him off his horse to show him an opposite to the way of the world of pride and selfishness. And in the words of Jesus in the Gospel, 
let us move on to other villages so I may preach there, and here is the line, for that is what I have come to do. Jesus tells us the essential reason that he has come is precisely to proclaim that good news, that brilliant, shimmering word of hope that sets itself against the darkness of the world. And that is his mission. Shouldn't it be ours? And so in the coming week, let us not go silent in the face of this cultural tsunami of selfishness. Neither let us become the church of no. And let us remember, as Holy Father Francis says, we say no only because before that we say yes. We say yes to truth. We say yes to hope. With Mary we say yes. Be it done unto me according to your will. With Jesus we say yes. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven.